From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWint. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Omar DeWint, Communications Executive here at Severe Real Estate, bringing you another installment in our How to Be a Top Producer series dedicated to breaking down the highly effective habits of Miami's top producers, thought makers, and thought leaders. Today, we have a good one in store for you. It's fitting new year, sort of new you approach to real estate. We're actually going to the old basics, personal selling 101, bringing us through or now helping us navigate that topic is a um, prolific instructor of sales at FIU, Florida National University, a longtime friend of mine, all around great human being, Mr. Rafael Soltero. Mr. Soltero, welcome to the show. Thank you, Omar. It's a pleasure to be here, uh, opening the new year. I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be here, and thank you very much for the invitation. Of course. It's always a pleasure um, getting together with you and hearing, uh, you know, tapping into that wealth of knowledge that you have. As you know, as I mentioned, our program is geared towards Miami real estate professionals um, and a little bit you know, farther extension, let's say entrepreneurs in general, business, um, business people uh, looking to uh, market and, and sell uh, their, their business as real estate professionals. You're sort of uh, you're your own entity. You have your teams and whatnot. But the, at the end of the day, uh, you're running that enterprise like any major corporation. So oftentimes here on the show, we talk about the marketing aspect and how to generate leads, how to brand yourself and position and whatnot. But at the end of that funnel, there's the ultimate interaction, that human interaction of, of trying to close the deal, which is why I'm excited uh, to talk to you today because we haven't delved too much into that. You're going to walk us through some of um, you know, your top tips. I know you have five, five or six top sure. tips. Uh, but before we do, uh, to help our audience get acquainted with you, tell us a little bit about you, your experience, your career, and sort of what brought you up until today. Sure. So I was uh, I was uh, born and raised in Puerto Rico, so I'm a Boricua, uh, <laughs> and uh, next to your uh, parents' island. And uh, definitely, um, I wasn't thinking about being in sales at all, you know, since I grew up. I went to school for chemical engineering. And as a matter of fact, my grandmother wanted me to be a priest, but that didn't go anywhere. So I became uh, a chemical engineer. Uh, I one in one month I got married. Uh, I um, finished school and moved to Rochester, New York, and then I sat behind a desk for about a year or so. And I said, there has to be more than this. I had an opportunity to travel over Latin America for two years, and I met my first customer there. And I fell in love with a customer. And after that, my mind was to make a switch to the business side and. Uh, I finished an MBA in finance, uh, and uh, in 2005, uh, 2000, and, sorry, in 1997, they made me director of the Latin American region for one of the businesses for Codec, and I came down here to Miami. 2005, they sent me back to Rochester. They wanted me to go back to Rochester. I said, no mas, and I stayed down here. Well, it's kind of hard once you get used to the Miami culture and lifestyle and weather and everything to go back to Rochester, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is. Uh, a, a, my favorite program when I was down here was uh, the Weather Channel. You know, I would look at the weather up there in Rochester, New York, and I would see that white blob, boom, and I would say, I'm glad I'm here. But uh, after that, 
when I came out of Kodak, I essentially I was doing sales at Kodak uh, down in Latin America, and then I made my transition into a VP of sales for another company, and then I worked at VP of sales for the Americas for three other companies. But it's kind of interesting because I went from 80,000 people at Kodak to eight people. My last job with Athentech Imaging was a startup in Calgary. And uh, so I was a VP of sales worldwide, but I had nobody working for me. <laughs> so uh, you have to essentially do it yourself. So I went from not being interested in sales to doing sales and now teaching sales, which is kind of you know, I, I would never thought that I would be here. So I tell my students that um, whatever you think you're going to be doing, you're not. Life happens and changes happen. And the ideal situation is that you build yourself enough uh, flexibility in what you do so that you can take different paths. Excellent. So that's a life lesson for you guys. Number one today, we're starting out, <laughs> starting out strong out of the gate. And at FIU, one of the things I think is, is pretty neat uh, about your program is you, you have that sales society. You teach students to compete, right? So we, 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 the, the reason why I went to, to teach is that I was talking to a friend of mine that is teacher there. And I said, you know, what is teaching? And he said, this is teaching. Uh, he told me, why don't you teach? I went to teach uh, as an adjunct. I loved it. The student loved me. I love the students. The school gave me an opportunity, and two years later, I decided to uh, uh, become a full-time professor. I had done enough sales, which is I tell my students that if you want to get wealthy, go into sales because that's the shortest path. And uh, now I can just, I'm not wealthy, but I have enough to say I'm going to slow down, and this is the perfect the perfect career to slow down. It's really passing forward. So I... I'm feeling pretty good about that. And in that, we created a sales program over at FIU, and we essentially put uh, a lot of our students through uh, a lot of uh, uncomfortable situations. Uh, one of the things that I like to say is that, welcome to the dark side. I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable, uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable. Uh, and that's what sales is about. It's the dark side of marketing. You have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now I wish that marketing was the dark side, but I, <laughs> I like it. So, okay, so today we are all your students, Mr. Soltero, and you have six key tips, uh, key areas to develop to master personal selling, mm -hmm. right? Um, let's, let's get into it. So take me out of the gate with number one. Okay, so number one, you have to go in there with the idea that you're going to build trust. Trust is what creates a bond between uh, two people. It's what builds a relationship. I usually throw um, the idea that trust is like a piece of paper. Once you crumple it, it's difficult to get it back into, in, in, into the same form. So you don't want to, you know, it takes a lot of work to build your reputation. And especially in real estate, people are known by reputation. Mm -hmm. Here is a good uh, uh, realtor. And uh, that is not that good. And when you put your career in hands of your reputation, you better keep it there. Mm -hmm. Any little mistake that you make is going to take you a lot of work. To so I, I and I'm glad you, you said that because when on the surface, building trust sounds kind of self-explanatory, right? But what are some of the ways, the quickest ways to lose that trust that you've seen, let's say, as a salesperson? So there, I think that you trust people that care about you. So as a salesperson, you need to focus on the prospect. It's all about making that person feel they are the center of your world. It's all about letting 
them know I'm here because I care about you. And you had to somehow in the first minute of your discussion give that feeling. If not, people are going to be backing out. Mm. You know, when 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 you come in and you say, hey, have you heard about, oh, here's another salesperson. But when you start taking care about understanding what is the other side, what are the problems, what are their needs, then you can make a better transition eventually into the presentation of how you can help them. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the, the way that I look at it. I'm trying to understand what is it that are your problems, your needs, uh, so that then I can see how is it that I can help you solve them. And in real estate, you know, most of the time, uh, you need a realtor. But, okay, so you need a realtor, but what is, what is behind that need? What is it uh, that is happening? It's about, uh, you know, I, I want to move out of my neighborhood. I want to buy my first house. And, and, you know, when you're going to buy your first house, it's a big freaking investment. I remember when I was going to buy my first house. I put my, 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 my trust in this person that was a realtor, and I was expecting them to help me, and they did. And that was a very pretty good relationship. And it's usually between you and your wife, because in that case, we were a pair, and uh, that person. And, and, and it is about that relationship and how you form it. So that built a trust, that hey, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to really help you. And if, if at the end of the day I can sell you something, then that's great. Now, you always have to think that you want to essentially lead that discussion toward the solutions that you can provide so that eventually you can s- sell. But uh, the intention is really to make them feel you are the center uh, that person, they are the center of the world. I like it. On always be closing, as you mentioned. Uh, also, the motto of our Severa kickball team. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about number two. You mentioned in uh, in your notes, prospecting uh, is a daily task. So don't get lazy. Tell me a little bit about that. So everybody has heard about the sales funnel, right? Mm-hmm. The sales funnel is the more people you get connected with, the higher the chance you have of making a sale. But not everybody is interested in buying from you. So prospecting is something that you have to do every day, every day, and you have to really plan it. It's not something that you just decide to get up this day, I'm gonna do prospecting. You gotta plan it, you got to decide what are the tools you're gonna be using, you gotta decide where you're going to be going, what are the audiences you wanna reach that day, uh, how are you going to uh, get them. Uh, it requires planning and preparation. So it's not something that, um, you just do. Uh, I remember when I was selling a lot uh, that I would spend, I would say, I, I, I'm going to spend three, day, three hours a day prospecting, three to four hours a day prospecting, and I would plan it. And if I could not do prospecting like for three to four hours a day, I would feel bad. So the next day I would do six or seven just because I know that once your pipeline is dry, you're not selling anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, And that's when things start to happen to you. Well, when you when you talk about prospecting, just to be clear, you mean you know, in, in the real estate um, world, is a lot of it is via phone, right? Or it, and I imagine that was when you That's were Kodak right. and all that. So basically, just having a list or your target area, target market, and calling them up and going through your script. Well, today you have more than phone, right? You have LinkedIn. You have a lot of stuff out there that you can use. There's a lot of tools today. You have a lot of tools that you can use Social to really media. reach uh, reach uh, reach the uh, the target uh, the target audience. 
But I think that most of the time it's about uh, connecting with people. There was a referral, there's uh, whatever, you need to call them, you need to get together with them. And it's the first couple minutes that really make a difference between uh, uh, what, uh, what the outcome is gonna be. So how do you build trust? What, what are those first two minutes? How do you make that call pleasant for the other person? Mm -hmm. Okay, how do you get them interested in continuing the conversation? I think that that's uh, pretty important. And there is no one answer. Yeah. Because not everybody is the same. So you need to keep changing, you need to keep improving, but you need to make it a habit to keep improving that thing. When you make something a habit, it becomes natural. Your of conversation course. becomes natural. Well, and it's it's interesting because I personally, I'm more of a fan of, you know, the, the proactive marketing, right? And getting inbound leads. We talk a lot about that with with Orlando, but prospecting and those the, the calls or like you mentioned, even LinkedIn and whatnot are is still a, a big part of the business, especially for a lot of professionals. I personally find it to be, as you mentioned, you know, it's uncomfortable. You know, you're you're calling this person and usually they're gonna be like, Oh, I you know, you get annoyed sometimes when you get those sales calls. Probably a high amount of rejection. But how do you how do you recommend what advice do you have for somebody who is doing a lot of prospecting, a lot of cold calling, what are some of the ways to minimize those things I just mentioned? So I, I think practice, practice, practice. First okay. of all, one of the things that I suggest to everybody is that if you're going to be doing a, a, a call and you think you're doing it right, tape yourself making that call. Don't, don't, don't have to tape the conversation itself, but tape yourself making that call. Videotape yourself. You're going to see all this stuff. You're going to see your intensity. You're going to see your passion or lack of. You're going to see how you can scare a customer away or how you said something that really got to them. And then if you find that little weave that says this is the success path, it becomes a best practice. Now you want to keep repeating it, repeating it until you essentially uh, find enough data to say I got to stop doing this because it's not working anymore. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. The audiences are changing. Uh, can you imagine me, a 62-year-old person, calling a 17, 18-year-old? <laughs> okay, how is it that I'm going to attract? You have to find a way because you got to call them, right. right? The same way if you're brand new and you are 22 years old coming out of college and all of a sudden you're sitting in front of the phone and you got to talk to somebody that is 50, 60 years old, a, how do you talk to them? How do you relate to them? How mm -hmm. can you? Well, you have to work at it. It, yeah. and, and, and again, there are no one solutions. Everybody has their own style. Right. And, you know, Omar, you have your style. I have my, my style. Mine is more aggressive. I, you know, I, you know, when I approach a person, you know, I talk about proximity. Uh, I, I, I sometimes I get too close to people and I can see them backing <laughs> up. And, 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 and I can. Latin and you, yeah, you know, yeah I, it way. is. But when you see them backing up, hey, that's a sign that you got to stop. Right. Sure. And so, and now the thing is, uh, you know, and I learned a lot about going into other parts of the world. When I went to Japan, you know, proximity is something that they don't understand. They are like a mile away from you, uh -huh. right? So uh, how do you manage that relationship long distance from your perspective, right? Sure. So you have to adapt and you have to work your way into being able to live into all those different environments. Well, and, and I think one of the, I guess, most natural is when you have some sort of like networking, let's say, and you were talking off mic when you go to network, have a number and... so. I do the networking because it's a job. Mm -hmm. I see it as part of my job, right? Work hard, play hard. That's right. So <laughs> I go networking. There is a big network. Let's say the um, uh, Chamber of Commerce is going to get together. So there is a meeting. So I'm going to go there with an objective. First of all, I'm going to research 
a little bit about who's going to be there, if I can. Who, who are the members of the Chamber of Commerce? Who are the key people? And if I can make a list of five or six people that I want to connect, I will. But in addition to that, I go there with an objective. I say, I don't want to get out of that meeting until I have five cards of five people that I want to do business with or I want to talk to that I think that may be interested in doing business within the next uh, five weeks. Okay? And I am going to have those five cards. And until I have those five cards, I will not leave that meeting. The other thing is that I never approach a discussion with the intention to sell. I go and approach the discussion with the intention to understand what are their issues, what are their needs, what's their life, what do they call. You know, my, my number one thing is what do you do? And from there you go into how. So if I was in real estate, I'd say, what do you do? Where you live? Mm -hmm. Okay, and I start getting, oh, I've heard very nice neighborhood. Right. And see if say, yeah, but I don't like it. That's a sign that they may need a, a real estate That's person. That's the, 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 the problem, point. right? right? And then you and, offer the solution. And, and it's better when the, when the prospect tells you. Right. Than you trying to ask him. And he, because now it becomes an inter interrogation, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to become an expert at asking strategic questions. And I tell my students, you got to practice. And uh, you don't want to seem like it's an interrogation. You want to make it natural. You want to make it in a way that it's a conversation. So you're not asking for the social and, and blood type right out of the gate? That, that's <laughs> right. I'm not asking them to sign any paper <clears throat> or anything like that. And, and as a matter of fact, I would prefer, hey, listen, I, if you want, let's get together uh, next week uh, over a cup of coffee, and I'll tell you a bit more about what I do. Mm -hmm. or what, and, and, and that's a better situation than trying to do it right there because you're going to know that there's a lot of people that may want to connect with this person. They may have their own goals. Right. And they may want to connect with some other people. So that, that, that's important. I like that. So, well, once again, you're listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. We're talking about personal selling 101 with the one and only Mr. Rafael Soltero, sales instructor at Florida International University and a veteran of, of sales shedding some, uh, some life lessons and tips with us today. So, Mr. Soltero, we talked about making the prospect feel like they're comfortable, right? And also the prospecting, making that a, a daily process from anywhere from the phone to online to the in-person space, right? And keeping the, the prospect top of mind and center all throughout. You talk about disqualifying often and quickly. Tell me more about that. Well, I think that many people think about, I want to qualify this person. That's the way that they approach a discussion. I want this person to qualify. But you got to remove the passion and your personal stuff, your, your intentions from there. And you want to make sure that you ask good questions because... I think that disqualifying is as important as qualifying. Disqualifying means that you're not going to spend more time on that person, and you're going to be able to find a more suitable prospect than that person that really doesn't qualify. So talking to somebody that is not qualified, it's okay, because maybe eventually they will. You don't want to break that or it relationship. Could it could or be referral or something like that. Right. And that's the other thing, that for every person that you meet, there may not be meeting you, but they might know somebody that needs you, and you always want to keep that as part of your strategy. So disqualifying should be quick. Disqualifying should be something that you think about doing. As a matter of fact, sometimes I go into particular uh, networking events that I know that there are 200 people, and I say, I want to disqualify 195. I just want to qualify five, okay? Mm -hmm. Because the other 195 are going to be 
not very effective for me to be spending time with them. And when you're talking about disqualifying, I mean, it's again, it sounds straightforward, but this would be somebody like, what are some of the disqualifiers? So, for example, like, I, 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 in, in my class, I, I, I tell the students, and, I, I, and in my life, this is what I did. Do you have money to buy my product? Okay, <laughs> right. that's the first one. Are you a decision maker? So not only do you have the money, can you make a decision to buy it? Mm -hmm. And number three is, are you interested in my product? Mm -hmm. Okay, so do you have an interest? And the last one is timing, okay? Because uh, you can be very interested, uh, but it might be two years from now. Sure. So that will help me say, hey, I'm here. I'll call you in such and such date, and we'll go from there. So those three questions, whether you are uh, the, the big decision maker, where you have the money to pay, where you're interested in the product, or you have a need, not interested, but do you have the need for, for, my, for my solution? And uh, let's talk a little bit about the timing. And the urgency, right. Okay, I like it. And those are it's a, a very uh, solid set, right? That's, I think you cover all the bases there. Then what about, um, what about listening? How important is, is listening, and how does that factor into the selling? So listening... I see, I get to, you know, I teach also sometimes in the MBA classes. Mm -hmm. And this is different because these are people. MBA or uh, sorry, NBA? Uh, masters, masters classes, sorry. <laughs> so no, that's a blooper, and, uh, that's yeah. a blooper, that's okay. You can, you, you can take that. So in, in, in the masters classes, uh, I get a lot of people that come from the outside uh -huh. uh, that already are working. Sure. That, and I remember when I was young and, you know, I thought that I knew everything that I needed to know. So you ask me, are you a good engineer? Sure, I am a good engineer. I ask somebody, are you a good salesperson? I am the best. And then you put them in a role play and you see them that they are not really following a particular process, that they don't have uh, a, a, a good sequence of questions that they're not asking, that they ask one question and then, boom, they proceed to present the solution without really understanding whether or not the prospect has a need. So what I like to do is that I like to make sure that you listen more. Mm -hmm. And in order to listen, you gotta be able to ask good questions, right? And you wanna listen to things that may be important for you in the future. So you want to ask what I call strategic questions that lead the witness. Okay? So tell me about tell me about some of those strategic questions. So okay, so uh, let's assume that um, I'm in the copier business and um, I um, I sell copiers. Okay, mm -hmm. you will not know that, but I will tell you what do you do. So let's have a conversation. So what do you do? So I'm you in marketing and PR. Marketing. Good. And uh, where's your office? We're based in Brickell. You're based in Brickell. Yeah, it's a big office. How many people? Uh, in this office, I would say we have about 20 staff and then another 50 or so sales associates. Yeah, a lot of people and a lot of paperwork and a lot of A lot stuff. of paperwork. A lot of paperwork. I, I'm a culprit uh, known for printing a lot. And you, you I'm old printing? school. Yeah, so our CEO is always on my Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, usually <laughs> when you have printers, what happens is that uh, the printers cannot, you know, really keep up with the demand. I especially think so. when you want it. When you want it, right? When you want it. When I go to print, like, because in marketing, we're always printing tabloid oversized like, you know, full color. And sometimes I'll have our partner, somebody there is waiting for something, I go to print, and it's those files, like those PDF for ready files that take like 10 minutes to print. So Omar, just wanted to let you know that I'm not selling you anything, but <laughs> you have told me a lot of information that now I can use if I was selling a copier. Sure. To now throw it back at you and say, hey, maybe I have a solution for you if you have a backup. Then I would, you know, one, one of the things that I say go is go paperless. That, <laughs> no, I'm yeah. just kidding. Well, you can go, you can go paperless too, oh, right? Yeah? Okay. You, you, I have another solution for that. <laughs> but, but, but I think that the point is that you let the customer talk. 
Sure. You see, you were talking there a lot. Yeah, and, and, a salesman's and dream. That's right. <laughs> and, and I think that you would be surprised sure. when you discover a problem or you kind of hit a sensitive area, how many people, if they trust you, they will just spill out. Mm. What are the problems? What are the feelings? How are they doing it? And then you essentially, not only you want to discover the pain, so you want to see how in how much pain they are. Mm-hmm. So essentially you exaggerate the issue. And then all of a sudden you see... No, that is not only the problem. You know when, and then you see that they're in a lot of pain, and now yeah. you know that you have an area. That so you adding can, fuel to the fire. That's right. So you have an area now that you can go in and expand a little bit more, and eventually there will be an opportunity. You don't know when, mm-hmm. but you somehow are going to qualify. Well, you know, one of the questions they would ask about qualification is, how old are your computers? Right. Uh, or your, your, your printers. printers. Yeah. How old are your printers? They tell you, no, we replaced them last year. Mm-hmm. You say, what is it that you don't like about those that you replaced last year? You see, I, you still don't know. So is that, uh, does that count as, as double clicking or is that? That is, th- that is really discovering an area. But okay. th- then you double click into the pain and everything else. So yes, double clicking is something that I, uh, people don't answer with their real problems usually all the time. So mm-hmm. you need to double click. As a matter of fact, there was a time that you would say you ask the five whys and you eventually get to the problem, the mm-hmm. real problem. But I think that you have to double click. And every time that you get a question or you get something, you double click. You tell me, and, and this is a bad thing, and say, and how do you feel when that bad thing happens? And then all of a sudden you say, oh, man, this is the worst. And, and why is it the worst? Whatever. Mm. And then at some point, if you, had a, if you had a way to solve it, how would you solve it? And then the customer tell you, because maybe the customer will tell you the solution that you already have. And you say, well, you know, funny that you say that. Boom. Right, right. So you're bringing them, letting them lead you to the the solution. If they say it, then the only thing that you say, like you said, this is a major problem for you. Right. You are the center of attention, right? You are the center of my world. So I'm going to make the discussion so that you said this, so I'm going to fold it into my presentation. I like it. And then what about, so you, you also talked about asking good questions. I kind of skipped ahead, but is there a template or are you tailoring it to? So in, in our school, we teach what is the spin method. Spin method is that, you know, you, you want to start with a wide open question, but eventually you want to narrow down your question so you get to understand what the problems are, right? So I, I use the spin method. The spin comes from four letters, spin, which is situation, mm-hmm. problem, implication and needs payoff okay this sounds like something i should double click on so tell me a little bit more. <laughs> more so the situation this. is a general question about you know like what do you do okay okay how many people work in your in your in your in your so let's go back to my questioning how many people work in your in your business so i was trying to understand the situation, the situation right mm-hmm. then i wanted to discover some of the problems so i asked you so you have a did you have a copy? As a matter of fact, you were the one that brought up the situation when I talk about copy, and I told you, do you have, you know, and when everybody's using it, and you, you were the one that come up with the problem. Mm-hmm. So now that is the problem. Mm-hmm. So I know what the problem is, right? So now I'm going to dig more and look at the eye, which is the implication. What happens when you cannot get printed what you need to print? Mm-hmm. Frustration and getting yelled Frustration, at. Frustration, <laughs> you get yelled at, you can lose a customer. Staplers go flying. You can lose a customer, you gotta stay longer, mm-hmm. you gotta stay whatever. And then I make you feel the pain by putting you in that position more and more, right? So mm-hmm. you are going through all that stuff. And then the, impli- the, the, the needs payoff is when you essentially put the prospect into, now, 
let's assume that you have solved that problem. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. Whoa, I will be able to go home early. I will be able to be more productive. So now they have when they have you have gone from a problem to understanding what are the implications of that problem mm-hmm. to now understanding how is it that your life is better without that problem. Mm-hmm. The N stands for needs payoff. Needs payoff. Okay. So if I can solve your need, this is my payoff. Okay. Okay. Like so and, and I think it works. And, and then if you can really discover three, four problems, and you can have a that kind of con- conversation, and through the discussion you can get all this information. Then you can summarize. You can say, hey, so you know, let me understand. You you have a copier. You bought it two years ago. That, that and you go through everything. Mm-hmm. Is it is that right? Well, you know, I think I can help you. Let me tell you about a particular solution that I think that will help you. You want to hear about it. And the key here is, and sorry to cut you off, is that you basically did all this intelligence gathering, right? Uh, un- basically identified all these points before you offered anything. Correct? That's right. Which if I'd you don't understand the needs, mm-hmm. you don't know what to offer. Mm-hmm. They may not need you. So but don't go do right into, here's a three-bedroom, two, two That's right. I think that that's, you know, when we had, I remember this person that came in to interview us for the first time, the realtor that we used. I uh, was recommended by somebody, and mm-hmm. I remember that they w- they sat down with us, and you know, we said, "So you're gonna here to present, or what you're gonna do for us?" And he said, "No, I'm here to understand how is it that I can help you. Okay, I'm here to understand what are your issues. I'm here to understand what are your objectives. Why is it that you want my help? So let's go back at it." And at that point, we wanted to buy our first house, but we didn't want to waste our money. It was a major investment for us. It was. It had to be. You know, Edna was specific about what she wanted, mm-hmm. uh, neighborhood, and all that stuff. Once you understand everything, they said, "Well, I think that I can help you." So you said you needed this. You said you needed this. You said, and now you come back with a proposal. This is what I think that we should be doing, and this is why. Let me explain. You said. This and this and this, well, let me tell you, this has this and this and this. You said this and this and this, let me tell you, this has this and this. And all of a sudden, you're mixing and matching the needs to a solution. Mm-hmm. And now you ask, do you f- want to see this house? And now you say, yeah, when can we see it? Now the question is, when can we see it? Right. And that's when you come up with the next step. Well, you know, I thought about that too. Uh, if you have Saturday free, we can go Saturday. If you, you know, 10 in the morning is the best time, whatever. Whatever it is, that usually works. Now you put together a proposal and you say, what do you think about it? Mm-hmm. Right? And then you go from there. Objections are always coming. I, w- one of those things that you have to do is that you can never present pricing until you have added value. Because if not, you know, you have value has to be added mm-hmm. in order to talk about price. I, I define value as the difference between perceived benefits minus perceived cost. And if you have not built on the benefits of having a relationship with me, mm-hmm. you're not going to like when I talk to the you about cost, the cost, right. independent of what. So value is the uh, perceived difference. benefits versus perceived cost. As an engineer, I like a question. So to me, is value equals perceived benefits minus perceived cost. When that is positive, there is value built into everything, then people buy. If it's negative, there is no value, 
you don't have anything. And this is where I imagine the managing the objections is going to come in, correct? That's correct. So objections is something that is going to happen all the time. I usually tell people that in any business, there is a standard set of objections that people throw at you. And you should have all of them really studied and really understand how is it that you eventually are going to answer. But before you even answer it, I, I, I like to use a system that's called ARC, which is uh, listen, acknowledge, assess, respond, and confirm. Mm -hmm. You know, I always see an objection as something that I have to deal with in that moment. If I don't deal with it in that moment, it's going to come later and bite me. And mm -hmm. I have to be back to this moment again. So I want to deal with it. And you have to ask, what is it, to make sure you understand it. You want to resolve it, respond. Mm -hmm. But then the most important thing that everybody forgets about doing is, did I answer your questions? You have to confirm. It's like asking permission to continue. It happens to me in classes, right? Somebody has a question. Mm -hmm. I answer it. If I don't ask, did I answer your question, I cannot proceed with the class. Okay. Because if not, I'm going to have one person that is lagging. So, and, and I usually... Did I answer his question? Did everybody understand it? Good. So then let's proceed. I take that as a natural thing for me. To, and that really sends a message. I care about you. Mm -hmm. You are the center of my world. Right. I'm not going to proceed to do anything unless I have resolved every single question that you have. So we're keeping, we're keeping the, the step number one, basically putting them at the center, uh, always consistently with us. You're building trust all the time. And so just to make sure I, I got this clearly in our, for our audience, so it was LARC, right? Listen, acknowledge. Ask, acknowledge. Uh, I, 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 you can acknowledge by paraphrasing again. So okay. what you mean is this. Uh -huh. Assessing your mind, okay? Mm -hmm. You may want to ask a couple more questions, right. okay? Before you make a, a, a response. Mm -hmm. But once you respond you want to make sure that you confirm that your response met the needs of the customer. Sure. So then I guess I'm putting it into a context in that just a, a scenario. Uh, let's say if you're dealing with a buyer mm -hmm. and they're, they have their, one of their objections, let's say if they're purchasing a condominium, one of the objections we hear often is uh, homeowner's fees, HOA fees, right? So I guess you would uh, hear that, ask a question. So if I'm understanding I, I would. Correct, I, I, I would I, I, may I understand? So you, you worry that... The fees that you're paying, I would rephrase it, the fees that you're paying mm -hmm. don't seem to you that they are realistic for the services that you're getting. Is that a way to say it? Is right. that what you're saying? That, you know, if, if you were getting a lot, mm -hmm. so I think that you need to understand what are you paying for. Right. And it's, oh, exactly. And so I. And I, so let me go and tell you. And then I can ask again. Sure. Do you think that now you understand how the fees are? Right. It happens all the time in my homeowners. Because when we, and usually when we put it in context in terms of you know gardening this and that and pool all, all those sort of and you only have you only have uh, fifty uh, owners in this uh, in this building so you know divided by fifty uh, so this is what you're paying for. So let's say you tell me oh okay now I, I, I understand or maybe that seems more reasonable. You're did, saying did I did I answer your question? Yes, about you did. Okay, then we can continue. Okay, perfect. So I, I like that. That's good, you know, for you guys to have out there in terms because we're actually speaking of objections. We were talking off air that one of our recent episodes we did uh, how to be a listing agent with Orlando Montiel, and where we left off is that on the next um, go around we're going to go through the eight. There's eight objections primarily for uh, agents looking to get a uh, homeowner to give you the listing for sale. 
So we're going to walk through those. But this is helpful for our listeners because they understand the process of how to right. so go what, into them. What I tell the, 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 the students is once they have an objection mm-hmm. and they know how to solve it, that before they, they say the solution, that they make sure that the objection is the right one. Or tell me about that. So, so, so what you want to do is confirm. So let's assume that an objection is, uh, like you said, the HOA fee. Sure. So I want to paraphrase it. What you're saying is that mm-hmm. HOA fees uh, don't seem to be uh, realistic in terms of what you think is your perceived benefit mm-hmm. versus the cost that you have. So don't just go right into the answer. Exactly. Reconfirm. Reconfirm. Make sure that the objection, mm-hmm. you understand it, and then proceed to answer it. Right. Okay. I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. Are we still live? On Yeah, yeah, we're live, Alex. <laughs> Miami Real Estate Podcast here with Mr. Rafael Soltero talking about sales, uh, personal selling 101. If you want to find more content like this, you can find us on the Apple Store. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. You can also go to MiamiRealEstatePodcast.com. So, uh, but let's continue then, Mr. Soltero. So we talked about making the prospect feel like they're at the center of your universe. We talked about the importance of prospecting, right? It being a daily task. We talked about disqualifying often and quickly, listening, learning to listen, right? And managing objections. So talk to me about number six, uh, one of probably the most important parts, right? Take it away. People, many people say, hey, I'm great at selling. And, you know, sometimes you got to wonder about what they what they mean. So I usually ask them another question, but, but I... I'm not good at closing. Mm-hmm. And I think that closing, if you do a good job with everything else and you have addressed all the objections, mm-hmm. should be the easiest part. Because it's essentially a transition from, hey, where are we now to where do we want to be next? Mm-hmm. Okay, And usually what I do is that I ask what's called um, trial close questions. Okay, tell me about so this. So it's like I am trying to measure your pulse. So how do you like so far what I'm what I'm talking about? So I think this is a great, great episode, right, Juan? <laughs> okay, okay, but th- that was a trial question, by the way. Sure. Okay, so if... Like when my I worst see, guess w- ever. When, when I see your face <laughs> and your body language, I say, this is in the right track. Sure. Maybe I need to close right now, okay? Right. <laughs> Maybe I need to close right now. So what I do is I do the trial close, mm-hmm. and I see where the customer is. But when I'm ready to go, I usually have I, I, the, the way that I like it today. So listen, it looks like we are there. We, we I solve, uh, ask, answer all your questions, and I think that you're ready to go to the next steps. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? And if the answer is yes, okay, then you want to proceed. If the answer is, yeah, I don't know, so you need to do more work. You don't want to go to a close because the person isn't ready. Now you got to ask again, is there anything? that's preventing you from moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you probably forgot an objection, and then you have to go back. This is the part that you have to be avoiding because that is, like, you, you're thinking that you're there, and all of a sudden something else comes in. That's why it's a good thing to do a lot of work at the beginning in the discovery. Okay. So that you address or discover all these issues that are there. And then by the time you get here, you essentially have to say, so how do you feel about everything we talked about? The answer is pretty good. Can you say, okay, well, let me tell you what are going to be the next steps. Mm-hmm. So at that point, what I do is that I ask for the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to sign this paper, sure. which essentially, let me tell you what it is. Bing, 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 bing. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. You feel comfortable with that? Yes, I do. Oh, sorry, you were asking. <laughs> Let's move on. And, well, uh, I, and I like that because you're, you're ready and you sort of provide uh, comfort. I guess comfort is the word, but 
let's say you ask for the business, here's what's going to happen next. Exactly. Which I think is where there's often a disconnect. Even when sometimes you buy a product or you sign up for something, you're kind of like, if you don't automatically get that email, here's how to set up this and that or whatever, you're kind of... And you, you got to make sure that you put in there whatever is necessary. So it, sure. it can be, you know, this is what we're going to do next. This is how much it's going to cost you. This uh -huh. is how much it's going to do. Da, da. But you should have talked about uh, some of the cost issues earlier right. so that they know that something is coming up. But I think it can even be as simple as, you know, here's when you can expect our next exactly. meeting or communication. So the person is not kind of like, okay, Give great, I signed the contract and then I don't hear from you. In seven days, you're going to get X, Y, Z sort of. Give them a plan and then follow plan. up. And, and by the way, if you give them a plan, give them dates mm -hmm. and who's going to follow up. Mm -hmm. If it's their follow up, you need to tell them, listen, I need this from you by this and this time. Mm -hmm. If it's you, you're going to get this from me by this and this time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you make sure that you deliver on the goods because I think that the other part is that if you say something, your reputation, we go back to that sure, trust, trust. that your reputation and everything lies on your word. And if you say, I'm going to provide this by tomorrow, you provide this by tomorrow and all that stuff and then comes the idea of uh, maintaining the customer you know uh, in real estate i think uh, you know that people may buy a house i don't know how often i don't know what the statistics is but i i i, I still get notes from that first you know realtor that i spoke uh, that sold us our first house mm -hmm. he was about our age and i still get notes from him say i'm in miami now <laughs> so but it's good to hear from you yeah type of thing right right and if i ever anybody comes over to me and says who would you recommend to buy a house in Rochester, New York? Guess who I'm going to recommend. Right, right, right. right. So I, I think that that's the type of relationship that you need to build. I like it. So great stuff here. And then just to wrap that last topic up is sort of be ready to close with that contract, right? Have a plan in place, uh, communicate it clearly, and then deliver on the goods right. to maintain that trust and the overall experience. And at the end of everything, what you need to do is practice, practice, practice all these tips. You can only become better by videotaping yourself and seeing what are the glitches. You know, sports people do it. Uh, you take a look at a Tiger Woods. Uh, he's taking how to improve his swing all the time. Sometimes he overdoes it, mm -hmm. okay? But then you can always come back. But you should see yourself doing all this and uh, have a camera. And that's what we do with the students over at FIU. We put them in a very uncomfortable zone which mm -hmm. is i'm going to be in front of a camera yes you're going to be in front of a camera yes you're going to be doing a role play and then we have two people here that have gone through that and you know that they have gone to the dark side and come back <laughs> that's true and i actually really enjoy when you invite us to come be behind on the other side of that camera that's judging right. those competitions and like you were, when you were talking about um asking for that uh the, the business or no it's uh, uh managing the objections and asking if you're ready to move to the next step these guys are timed, you know, for you listeners who don't know how the competition works. So the clock is running out, and am I ready to move to? <laughs> no, actually, let me ask. And you, you see the sweat coming on on the competitors. And, and, and whoever route. does a good job, really addresses most of those objections during the discussion. So right. they're not surprised. But most of the time, we tell the, the 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 buyers, you need to throw this objection at some point. Yeah. So some of them wait until the end, and all of a sudden, the student is saying, "Oh uh -oh. my God, what did I do?" <laughs> and 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 but. The good thing about being there is with the millennials, you know that they like to play games. Yeah. And what happens when you play a game is that you miss it and then you reboot, play it again. Yeah. And that's the idea behind the video. Hey, you see yourself, you improve yourself, play it again. Yeah. Right? And then you can work on the cheats that you find in the internet and everything else to keep improving. And that's where you go into the internet and read articles about how to improve yourself, 
how to do better. You go take a course. I, I, I always say that uh, learning is a lifelong process, and uh, uh, you got to be a sponge for the rest of your life. Stop sponging when you go in under the the ground when you wh- when you pass away. That's when I, I will stop learning. I like it. I never stop learning. I think that's a good uh, message to take us out on. That's Mr. Good. Soltero, this has been a lot of fun. Anything else that... Uh, Thank you very much. I think that this type of thing that you're doing, it's really very good because I think it gives the opportunity for all these people that are in the rush to essentially turn on their radio once in a while and listen to something that is really very useful well thank you we're trying to you know pass on the knowledge i hope you guys out there listening uh enjoy it find value send us an email let us know send us a comment any questions for mr soltero let us know actually we'll put your info in the show notes sure. if you don't mind you know i don't mind prospective students or whatnot or I, I mean best thing to do is find me in linkedin I'm linkedin there, there you Rafael go soltero i Real think there too my son and myself <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, thanks again for coming. It's been a pleasure, and I uh, hope you'll come back again soon. Omar, it's been a pleasure. I really had fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. listening we hope you enjoyed the show and we certainly enjoyed making it we hope you will come back we've got some more great content dedicated to informing intriguing and inspiring miami real estate professionals where can you find us we're on the podcast store wherever podcasts are available that's itunes of course we're also on podbean spotify audible TuneIn, stitcher and google play you can even ask alexa about us go ahead and visit cervera.com blog that's where our newsroom is located we've got some more great content there as well market reports and more you can sign up for our newsletter there connect with us on social at Cervera RE or send us an email Miami Real Estate Podcast at Cervera.com. We would love to hear from you. So from all of us here in Miami, where the future is always bright. Until next time.